Well, good morning and welcome to each one of you, and I too hope that you had a wonderful week. Welcome those of you who are in person and those of you who are online. Well, if you joined us last week for our service, you know that uh, I presented part one of my sermon, What God Wants Us to Know About Sex. And so... Today, we are going to be talking about part two. So if you didn't know that, you're either here because you wanted to be here to hear that, or you thought Pastor Nick was preaching. So, (laughs) but either way, I believe that God has something to say to us, to teach us. Amen? Amen. Well, last week I did get through... Uh, point one, the first thing, and we talked about God created sex, and it isn't a bad thing. He created it to be something good that was to be shared between a husband and wife, that was to be intended to be in the context of marriage. And so he created it to be something good, something beautiful. And so today we're going to talk about the next two things. And as I stated last week, and I do want to say this again today, is I understand that these kind of conversations can be uncomfortable right? These kind of conversations can be a bit awkward, and it it can feel a bit uh, weird to be talking about this. But I want you to understand that nothing that is said is meant to offend or to cast judgment, but it is meant to help us to understand what the Bible teaches us and what God wants us to say. And so if anyone is to feel uncomfortable It's my husband who's sitting next to his mother and father-in-law. So so you don't have to worry about that too much, all right? So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 4 to 6. And if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Matthew chapter 19, starting from verse 4. The scripture tells us, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They recorded that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for this time that we can be in your house and worship online. We pray that you would speak to your people today, O God, that you would move and have your way. And I pray, Father, that there would be um, an openness to your spirit. Lord, I pray that even those who feel that there is nothing applicable to them, that your Holy Spirit would speak and that you would teach us something new. And so, God, we just look to you and we pray that you would speak and that you would help us to be obedient, to live out your word and to live in such a way that honor, glorifies, and pleases you. And so we thank you for this time and we commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. In our world, sex is something that is openly talked about. 
and is seen in, in different places and in movies, in TV shows, in music, in, in many different ways. And oftentimes we see this underlying theme even in billboards and commercials. It's something that people look upon because it sells, right? And it's looked upon as a normal part of life. And it is true, but very rarely, I believe, is it looked upon through the right lens, and that is the biblical perspective, the way that God intended us to look at it. Some people talk about having casual sexual partners, and it is crazy to think that there are some people who truly believe that it can be just a casual thing. There can be a casual thing because many people believe that it is only about the physical pleasure, the immediate release, and that's, that's all that it is. And so people believe, well, there's nothing wrong with it because I'm just having that physical pleasure. I'm just, you know, satisfying the physical nature, and that's all that there is. I'm just looking for a good time. That's all that there is. But we need to understand, and God wants us to know, that sex isn't only about the physical, but there is an emotional and spiritual aspect of it as well. It's not just about the physical connection that is made. The physical connection is an important part, and it's something that most people seek it out for. But we have to understand that it goes far beyond just the physical connection that is made because there is an emotional and a spiritual part of it as well. In the passage that we just read in Matthew 19, verse 6 says, Since they are no longer two, but one. It tells us right there that there is a connection that is deeper. That they are two persons physically, but spiritually, they're intertwined. They're still two separate spirits, but that spirit is binded together, and there is a connection that is made far deeper than just the physical one. What that means is that the sexual act that, again, was intended to be between husband and wife joins two people together in all aspects, physical, emotional, and spiritual joined together in the most intimate way possible. Physically through the actual act, emotionally through the intimacy that is involved, and spiritually through the covenant that is made. Now you're probably thinking, what covenant, right? What covenant are you talking about? Well, did you know that marriage is a covenant that we make? Here are elements of a covenant, and actually in our Wednesday Bible study a few months back, we, we talked about different covenants, and this wasn't specifically one of them, but marriage is considered a covenant. So here are elements of a covenant, okay? Two or more parties are involved. Anthony, I think that's correct. We could say two or more parties are involved, husband and wife, right? Bride and groom. Those involved commit themselves to a binding agreement, you're committing yourself to a marriage. Those involved promise, make promises or oaths. Well, in a marriage, there are vows and there are promises and commitments made. It usually has some physical sign or symbol. Well, in a marriage, 
Most often, wedding bands are exchanged as a symbol of the promise that you are making to each other. It involves a witness or witnesses. Well, the guests and those who witnessed the marriage taking place would be considered the witness or witnesses. And it then, this is one of the elements of a covenant. A ceremony or a ritual is performed to enforce it. And that is the actual sexual act that takes place. In this passage of scripture, it is outlining what happens when a man and a woman are joined together through the sexual act. And it takes place as a marriage covenant because that is what is established. So some of you are saying, well, I wasn't looking for a husband or wife. I was just looking for a good time, right? I was just looking for no strings attached and and whatnot. But you have to understand, even if a person thinks that there's no strings attached, there are strings attached. The only string that is not attached is the verbal commitment that the one may not have made. But there are things attached that we do not see. And so it goes far beyond just the physical pleasure, the physical act, but it is more than that. It is not only about the physical. Now, here's the thing. As I said last week, growing up, we were always told, you know, not to have sex before marriage, not to to, to do these things. It wasn't proper. It wasn't right and whatnot. But like I said, no one ever took the time to explain why. Right? And the only thing that we were ever really told is the obvious, the physical part of it. Right? And so when you're joined physically, we, we see that there's physical things that happen. There's a, a physical transference that can happen. So physically, there are, you know, possible uh, sexual transmitted diseases or infections that can happen. There's the possibility of a woman becoming pregnant because of the transference of the semen into a woman. There is the rupturing of a woman's hymen, thus, you know, causing her to lose her virginity. So there, through the, the physical act, there is a transference that happens physically because we are tying ourselves, we are engaging ourselves with someone. But what nobody often talks about is the emotional and the spiritual tying and the things that happen that are transferred into a person. You might say, well, there's no emotions involved, right? Well, that's wrong. Because oftentimes there are emotional things that happen. Why do you think people get so upset when a breakup happens? Why do you think that people get so torn when they've invested and they've been with someone for so long and it doesn't work out? Because there are emotions that are invested. There are things that happen. When a couple is together and when they've been together for a long time, the things that happen in one's life oftentimes affects the things that happen in the other person's life. There are spiritual things that are connected to that as well. Not only is it a physical act, but there is emotional and spiritual tying that happens. God says that the two shall become one flesh. That means that the two persons that have entered into this covenant when sex takes place is a spiritual covenant, is a spiritual covering that happens, that binds them together. 
okay? I know some, some of this may be a little bit much for you, but understand, it's a spiritual covering. It is a binding together that takes place. So that means that there is transference, not just physically, but emotional and spiritually as well. When you choose to be intimate with someone, you are by default accepting their problems and they're accepting yours. The things that one may be wrestling with spiritually does and will affect the other one as well. When my husband and I got married and and we moved into our place, uh, the washer and dryer that was there uh, was old, but it was working fine, right? It was working fine, uh, but on the, the door of the washer, the previous owners had, um, it was a bit broken, right? So it was kind of hanging off, but the previous owners had uh, taped it with like this black, I don't know if it's like electrical tape or something, but, but it worked fine, right? So anyways, uh, we, we decided that we weren't going to buy a washer and dryer. M- my husband said we didn't need it right then, right? So, okay, fine. You know, we'll, we'll use it till it can't be used anymore. So we were using it and it was working just fine except for that. And then all of a sudden it started, we started to experience more problems with the washing machine, right? Like sometimes it would kind of freeze or start flashing and stop in the middle of a cycle. And it was just a pain because like you had to be home when the laundry was going to, if that happened, then you had to manually, you know, change the settings and whatnot. But fine, you know, I dealt with it. You know, we, we made much with it. And then it came to the point of the, the door that was taped on, right, broke off. Like it completely broke off one day. And, and so... You know, I tried to tape it back, but I mean, it was broken. So like, it's not going to pull. So it wasn't working. So then what I decided to do, because the door wouldn't open, is I got a butter knife. Okay. Yeah, I'm telling you all my business. I got a butter knife. And, and you know, like you try to pry the top of the door open, right? Because there was nothing to. So that's what we would use to open the washing machine. Um, It was a front load, right? So we would use it to open the washing machine. Now, there was no problem with the dryer except that it was just old. So because I don't like things all over the place, and, you know, I don't want a butter knife just sitting on the shelf in, in in my laundry room, I would put it in a container. But when my husband did laundry, he wouldn't know where I put the butter knife. So he would go and get his own butter knife, and then he would, you know, pry it open. He would just leave it all over the place. So, you know, I would put that in the basket, and then he'd get a different one because he didn't know where it was. So, you know, eventually all our butter knives were gone, right? So finally, finally, after the, you know, all of that, we, we did end up getting a new washer and dryer. I just want to make sure you know that, right? So we did. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. My husband said it was okay. <laughs> But but the bottom line is, and why I tell you that is, it wasn't just my problem or my issue, and it wasn't just his problem or his issue. But because we were joined, because we were together, because we were married, that caused it to be both of our problems. It affected both of us equally in the same way. Maybe one more than other, depending on who did the laundry more, but 
it affected both of us. You see, when you are joined together with a person, there is no such thing as their problems and your problems. It is together, it is our problems. There, there are things that happen that we share. We share the good things, but also understand there's bad things that are shared as well. And so when you are tying yourself, when you are choosing to unite yourself with someone, it is important that you understand that you're not just choosing the good things, but you're also choosing the bad things, the problems, the issues, the things that they have faced as a child, the, the problems and issues that they are wrestling with spiritually right now. That's why it's such a dangerous and scary thing for someone to have a sexual encounter with someone that they don't know. They have a one-night stand with someone that they've never met. They don't even know their last name. They know nothing about this person, but yet they're choosing to unite themselves in the most intimate way possible. Understand that by doing that, even if it's just done once, you are uniting yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Make sure you make that choice wisely. Choose your partner wisely. That's why the Bible tells us, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be unequally yoked. Make sure you know that person before you jump into giving them the most intimate parts of yourself. You know, this past week, of all places on social media, I saw this, uh, this post that this lady made. I don't know who she is, but she said, you know, private school is expensive, you know that, Bobita. <laughs> private school is expensive. A private hospital is expensive. Private jets, they're expensive, right? But some people think that they can have my private parts for free. <laughs> you laugh, and I laughed at that, but think about that. The most intimate parts of us the most intricate and detailed parts that make us who we are, that God has given us, oftentimes people give them away for free. People give it away without a commitment. People give it away thinking that it's meaningless, that it's not worth very much, when that is the most important part of us. And we need to be cautious of how we give those things away, how we engage with other people. So now that we understand that the sexual act is also considered the joining act, where two become one, God also wants us to know that having sexual relations with someone makes you spiritually married to them. Hmm. Now, I'm going to explain this, okay? In the Bible, think of the factor that considered a man and a woman married. What was that factor? Well, it wasn't if they had a big wedding ceremony and, and had lots of guests attend. It was when the marriage was actually consummated. That is, when they had sexual relations with each other. That is what made them married officially. Okay, so stick with me here. So whether or not a person verbally committed to another person by Sleeping with that person, they became their spiritual spouse, their husband or their wife. So watch this, okay? Genesis chapter 16 
Starting from verse 1, this is the story of Sarah and Abraham, um, Abraham at that time. And so it says this, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham, Abraham as a what? A wife. Okay, watch this. This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. You see, from this we see that she was given as a wife. What did that mean? Because she was given with the intent for him to have sexual relations with her. So even though he was not legally married to her, she had no legal grounds to, to get anything from him. For the very fact that they had sexual relations with each other, she was considered his wife. Okay? Then watch this. In John chapter 4, we read the story of Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at the well, right? He asks her for a drink. She tells, um, she tells him she doesn't have a bucket. He tells her about the kind of water that he can give that she'll never thirst again. And, and then he tells her this in John chapter 4, verses 16 to 19. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Verse 17, she says, I don't have a husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. At first glance, you would think that what Jesus is saying is that she's had five husbands. She's been married five times, and the man that she's with isn't legally her husband. But from the very first answer that she gives, she says, I don't have a husband. She doesn't reply saying, I don't have a husband right now, or my husband isn't actually here, or I used to have a husband, or I don't have a husband anymore. She says, I don't have a husband. In other words, I've never been married. I don't have a husband. So then we ask the question of how could she have, a, have five husbands if she's never been married? How could she have hus uh, five husbands if she's never been married? The question is a legitimate one. But here's the answer. She's had five husbands because what Jesus is saying, he's revealing to her this truth. That's why she thinks that he's a prophet because only a prophet would know this. She has been with five different men, making them spiritually her husband, even though she's never legally been married. Think about that. Isn't it crazy to think that there are some people who have never legally been married, yet they're walking around with spiritual spouses? Think about that. They've never legally been married, but yet because they've connected themselves to so many people, they've been intimate and, and made that connection that they have a spiritual husband or a wife. 
And, and the thing is that when God joined a man and a woman together, when they were under his covering, it was meant to be once for one time. I want to tell you about my favorite necklace. And, and it's in this container. And the reason that it's in this container is because, ladies especially, you would know this, is have you ever had jewelry in, in something and then it becomes tangled? Like necklaces or, you know, thin uh, bracelets or something. And it's such a pain when it gets tangled. Well, I had this necklace, or I have this necklace, and, you know, I put it in... Um, you know, a drawer or bag or whatever it was in, and it became tangled. And it's not an expensive one. It's a costume, you know, necklace, but it, it's still one of my favorite ones. And so what do you normally do when your piece of jewelry becomes tangled? <laughs> Give it to your husband. Oh, well, <laughs> well, in this case, that didn't happen. I started, I started untangling it right? Pulling it apart, trying to, to get it apart. But you see, because it was so tangled, by pulling it apart, guess what happened? It broke. It broke. My favorite necklace. So it's not in one piece anymore, but it's in several pieces, right? And oh, there we go. There's one. Okay. It's in, it's in about four pieces, and I held on to it because I love this necklace so much, and I hope one day, you know, someone can fix it. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I, I'm going to hold on to it. So, so, you know, my favorite necklace, by pulling it apart, it broke into pieces. And it breaks my heart because I love this necklace so much, but I'm holding on to it. And I tell you this because it's like that joining together. When we join ourselves to someone in such a deep and intimate act, God intends it to be once with that person. And he says, what he has joined, let no one pull apart. In other words, it's to be together. And when we join ourselves with someone sexually, as I said, it goes deeper than the physical. There is an emotional connection that is made. There is a spiritual binding that takes place. And so every time we join ourselves with a different person and then we pull apart from them and then join to another person and then pull ourselves from them, a piece of us gets pulled off. And it causes us to feel broken. It causes us to feel worthless. It causes us to feel damaged. It causes us to feel used. And it causes us to no longer be in one piece, but in several pieces. The way God never intended it to be. And, and you know, the thing about it is, is that every time we hook up, that happens. Every time that there's a casual thing, that happens. Every time that you think it's just a one-night stand, that happens. Because it's joining and then pulling apart. We're breaking a bond that has been created since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's what the scripture says. Because it wasn't intended to be pulled apart. Every time we rip ourselves away, we give away a piece of ourselves to someone. Imagine, there are so many people walking around with pieces of people. 
There are so many people who are giving themselves away to feel that they're worth something, to, to feel that the void has been filled. But I tell you that only one person can fill that ultimate void. Only Jesus Christ can fill us in a way that satisfies us the most. Only he can do what no one else can do. And I know today that there are some of you out there who have lost so much because you have tried to fill that void in so many different ways. You have tried to fill that and to satisfy something that only God can satisfy. Don't give yourselves away for the wrong reasons. Don't give yourselves away just because she's hot and you're tempted to, young men. Don't give yourselves away just because he tells you that he loves you and he says it's going to be forever. Don't give yourself away just because you feel pressured by your partner to. Don't give yourself away because you think everyone else is doing it and it's normal. Don't awaken love until it so desires. Don't awaken it before it is time, it tells us in the Song of Songs. And maybe it's just me, but I find it so interesting, and this is, again, not to bash anyone, but it's to help you realize. I find it so interesting that a couple can be together for years upon years. They can be living together and maybe even have children together, but yet they say, I don't know if I feel ready to commit to marriage. Think about that. Because they're viewing marriage as, as just that document, as, as just that, when they've already been committed themselves, spiritually, emotionally, in every other way. I don't feel ready. You see, you are worth so much more than you realize. You are worth waiting for the right person. And when you meet the right person, you will know. Because the right person will give you the proper commitment that you deserve. The right person will wait and honor and respect what God says to do in a relationship. You will know when the right person comes. I've talked to a lot of people, and I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that it's no big deal, right? It's a part of life, and in fact, if you're still a virgin, right, it's, it's like something's wrong with you. It makes you almost feel bad, but this is what God says. Wait for the right person. Don't just join yourselves to someone just for the sake of doing it. Because it is that thing that defiles us. Any sexual activity outside of the confines of marriage defiles us and goes against the will of God. That means it's not just premarital sex. I know I've talked a lot about premarital sex or sex outside of marriage. But that means that anything that goes against that, sexual immorality, so that includes pornography, it includes masturbation, it includes adultery, threesomes, orgies, sexual perversions of any kind. And I'm talking to you real talk. Anything outside of the confines of marriage is against God's will. He does not want it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 to 20 says, And don't you realize... If a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. 
For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And you do not belong to yourself. For God has bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You see, here's the good news. You may have made mistakes in the past. And whether that is in this area or others, when it comes to God, there's no pretending with him. Because everything that we've done, everything that we've said, everything that we've thought is laid bare before God. And so there's no pretending with him. And so there may be things that other people don't know, and they don't need to know because that's not their business. But it is important that we don't try to pretend with God because he already knows. And here's the thing. There is no judgment and there is no shame for the mistakes that you have made. God wants to forgive you when we genuinely ask him for forgiveness. But he also wants us to change our ways. That's why many times when people come to him and he forgives, Jesus says, go and sin no more. In other words, I've forgiven you. Now don't just go and do the same thing, but change. Choose to be different. Choose to live in a different way. God wants us to change our ways. The good news is that Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross paid for our mistakes. It paid the price for our sins. And so because of that, we no longer need to be enslaved by the sins that once enslaved us. We no longer need to be confined to the bondage that sin puts us in, but we can be set free because there is freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know what's happened to you or is happening to you right now in your life. And again, as I said, I don't need to know. But maybe today in your own mind, there are some things that you can relate to. Maybe you have given in to temptation before marriage. Maybe while you've been married, you have been tempted and given into adultery. Maybe you've been struggling with an addiction of pornography or masturbation. Maybe you've allowed the devil to bring perverted sexual thoughts into your mind and allowed them to linger there. Maybe you were sexually abused as a child or young person, even maybe as an adult, and you need to be healed from it. Maybe you've been believing the lie that sex is only about the physical and it's okay. Maybe you've been spiritually married to people and you haven't even realized it. Today, we're going to sever those ties. We're going to break those things in the name of Jesus because there is freedom in him. You know, when I, when I was preparing this and when, I, you know, I was asking God, you know, to, to speak to me about this, to, to impart this to you, one of the things that kept coming over and over in my mind because I thought, God, you know, why are you wanting me to preach this? We talk a lot about seeing revival, right? 
And we want to see revival. We want to see personal revival. We want to see revival in our church, in our community, in our world, in, in every aspect of our lives. And, and that revival, I believe, can come at any time. But one of the things that I strongly believe is that when we start dealing with the tough things like this, then we allow God to move in our lives. When we stop pretending that because we're a church, there's nothing wrong here. When we stop pretending that because we've been a Christian for over 50 years, that we have no sin that needs to be dealt with. It's when we start to acknowledge that there are things that we may have never dealt with and that we may be holding on to that are causing blocks. And it's only when we deal with those things and we allow them to be washed over that God can truly break through and move. And so today I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. And as I said, if there is something on your heart that you can identify with. Maybe it's simply saying, God, help me in a world that is filled with so much temptation to remain faithful to you. Then as I pray for you, I just want you to agree in prayer. I just want you in your own way, not out loud, but just in your own heart and mind. Speak to God and ask him to help you, to forgive you, to help you to move on so that we can truly experience a revival. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your people today. And God, we know that this may not necessarily be the kind of message that we want to hear, but it is something that is necessary for us to deal with. And Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters today who are watching Lord, I pray that you would cover them, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and surround them, that you would remind them that they are loved, that they are favored, that they are yours, O oh God. And Lord, only you know exactly what they may be going through right now. But I pray for the different things that we have talked about today. Lord, I pray that if they have given in to certain sexual sins or temptations, I pray that you would forgive today. I pray that your spirit would come and wash over them, that they would be freed and forgiven in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would renew our hearts and our minds. I pray that God no longer would sin be able to reside and linger in our minds. I pray, God, that you would remove any perverted thoughts sexually, oh God, and that you would fix our mind on you. I pray that we would choose to wait on you, oh God, that those who may not be married would choose to wait until the time is right that they would wait for the right partner and the right person and not give in to temptation for the wrong reasons. Lord, I pray for, for those who may have given in to temptation outside of marriage. God, I pray that there would be a spirit of forgiveness there, that you would unite, that you would forgive, and that you would help, Lord, to reconcile relationships that have been broken. Lord, I pray for those who may have experienced sexual abuse. I pray, God, that you would restore what has been lost and what has been taken away. I pray, God, that you would help to make new and to remind them 
that they are beautiful and valued in your sight. I pray, God, for people who have lost pieces of them in so many different ways, that your restoration would be upon their life, that you would restore them to new, oh God, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, for those who have attached themselves to others in a deeper way that they may not have even realized, I pray that you would break and sever those ties in the name of Jesus. I pray that they would be made new, oh God, and be released from that sin and shame and bondage. And I pray, Father, that they would unite to you in one spirit in the strongest way possible. And so, God, we pray that whatever it is that your people are going through right now, that you would come and see our hearts, that you would come and see true repentance, oh God, that they truly would desire change and freedom in the name of Jesus. And so, God, we know that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we call upon the name of Jesus, the name that is stronger than any other name. And we pray that you would help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. Because it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how we've sinned. What, what we understand is that we all sin and we all need you. And so God, come and meet with your people today. Come and help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. Come and help us to be faithful to you, to be faithful in marriage, to be faithful in everything that we do, that we would set an example, oh God, because we want to see you move. We want to see your spirit break through in every area of our life. And so God, we ask that you would start to move, that you would start to speak, that you would help us to see you and hear you and experience you in ways that we never did before because we want to see revival. And so God, help us. Help us to understand that it's not about us, it's not about what we want, but that, Lord, we truly would give in to what you want because our desire is and should be, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. God, may you move in the lives of your people. I thank you for each one and for their desire. And I pray, God, your blessings, because you promise us that surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. We want to live in the freedom that comes in Christ. And so, God, I pray that you would break through that you would remove any strongholds, any things that have been holding us back in the name of Jesus, and that you, God, would help us to feel restored, to feel new, and truly in line and in tune with your spirit. We desire you, oh God. We love you, and we thank you for who you are and for the wonderful things that you have in store, not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church, oh Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God forgives us and he cleans us up, but he also wants us to desire to do his will. And so may our prayer be, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way in every area of our life. May we submit to him and to ask him to move and have his way. God bless you. I love you. And I believe that God is doing something new in your life and in the life of Rosewood Church.